0: Hi, my name is Chef Nicole Brisson here at Resorts World Las Vegas, and you are listening to Ingredient Insider.
1: This is Ingredient Insiders, I'm John Magazzino.
2: And I'm Andrea Parkins.
1: On each episode of Ingredient Insiders, we'll be talking with chefs and food writers about their favorite ingredients.
2: We then speak to the producer of that ingredient. We talk about the history, how it's made and why chefs love using it in their kitchen.
1: So today we are talking about a really boutique item from Italy, Andrea. Um, I you know, I had never really seen this product until you know, Rolando Barramendi, who's our guest today from Manacretti Foods, brought it in and showed us um and then, well, I'll, what do you think of this ingredient?
2: I mean, my first introduction to the ingredient was actually with you. So when I, I associate this ingredient with our trip together to Italy.
1: Yeah. So the ingredient today is kruski peppers. Am I saying that right? Kruski?
2: That is correct. And kruski peppers, they're known as the red gold from basilicata. Some people call it the red saffron from Basilicata. That's kind of how special these peppers are to that southern region. Um, I think when I, th- when I think of these peppers, I think about the movies where, you know, if, if, they're in, if someone is uh, walking the streets of Naples and you're, you're looking up at the apartments and you see the peppers strung from the apartments, John, you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, those dried pepperoncino.
2: That is a kruski pepper.
1: Got it. but So that's the dried form of it. But then they take this pepper off of those beautiful wreaths you were just describing. And Mm -hmm. we saw it firsthand in Calabria a couple of years ago on a trip with Nancy Silverton and some other chefs where they drop these peppers into hot oil just for a few seconds. They crisp up and then they get used in a variety of ways. I mean, it's a really great uh, product and they're so delicious. I thought it was so amazing that when we asked uh, our guest today, Nicole Brisson, the chef of Brezza Restaurant in Las Vegas at the Resorts World Casino, she said, I want to talk about kruski peppers.
2: I was kind of surprised. You know, I'm always anticipating what the chef is going to say they want to talk about. Uh, so to hear that, immediately my mind went to our trip. So I really cannot wait to dive deep. With Nicole and uh, our buddy Rolando.
1: Yeah, she's one of the, you know, top young chefs. And I, I'm saying young, I've known her for a long time. She's worked in Las Vegas for many years, worked for some really great, you know, celebrity chefs. And her new restaurant is amazing. And she's so passionate and so knowledgeable. So we're lucky to have Chef Nicole Brisson joining us today to talk about Krusky peppers. And then on the back end, we're going to have Rolando Baramendi from Manicaretti Foods, who's one of the best you know, food discoverers, explorers in the world, importing these products into the US and working with The Chef's Warehouse to talk to us all about the ins and outs of kruski peppers.
2: Let's do it, John.
1: All right.
3: This episode is in partnership with The Chef's Warehouse and produced by Gotham Production Studios.
1: We are in the heart of Las Vegas. We're right on the strip, right? Right on the strip. And this is a brand new casino.
0: First casino to open in 13 years.
1: Oh, wow. wow.
0: Right, Katie? Yeah. 11 oh, years. 11, 11 okay. years. Okay.
1: So we're at Resorts World, the Hilton Conrad. Am I saying all this correctly? And we're inside Brezza.
0: Brezza's PDR, private dining
1: Brezza's room. Brezza's private dining room. Which
0: is absolutely
3: stunning. With we Chef.
1: With a chef I've known, although we haven't spoken in many years, many like years. many, many years. I've known Chef Nicole Brisson when she was in New York, and we're going back almost 20 years. Is that how long you've been? In, you just you told me earlier you've been in Vegas.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's always hard for people to believe that you're <laughs> this long. Uh, I basically drove my car from cross country from upstate New York, and I thought I would maybe be here year max, two years, and I never looked back. Um, I made Vegas my home and uh, worked. Started the win, worked for the Dali Bastianich Group for where we met for uh-huh. over twelve years, and uh, basically started as a cook. And by the time we closed, I was a culinary director of all four restaurants.
1: Wow, incredible!
0: But you kind of grew up
3: with cooking in your blood. Your grandfather owned a restaurant in Saratoga. Your mom had this garden that you mention a lot in your interviews. Yeah. <laughs> like, kind of take us back to your upbringing. And
0: well, you know, it's funny that I ended up in Italy because. Upstate New York to me is a lot like Italy in a lot of ways. You know, you're cooking seasonally, you're you're living off the land. Um I mean, where I grew up, I grew up 40 miles west of Albany at the the foothills of the Catskills. And we uh we didn't have central heating. We just had a like a freestanding cast iron fireplace. So most of the summers were spent chopping wood and <laughs> stacking wood and uh my mom would can for Month after month through the summer months, we had peach trees, we had um strawberry pyramids, we had blueberry bushes, we had um all the brambles that grew around our property, we had um green beans, potatoes, squash, uh, and she would just – she would can for the whole winter so that when we were going to the school – waiting for the school bus, bus the next morning, I would have a beautiful half piece of peach or pear that we would have in our cream of wheat that she had canned from the, the previous – Season and it was really an incredible way to grow up. I don't think I actually tried fast food until I was 26 years old, which is kind of an anomaly these days. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I I think that's pretty cool because Mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people, if you say upstate New York, and I grew up in you know southern Andrew, you grew up in the New York area. I grew up in you know just north of the city, but to equate upstate New York to Tuscany to a lot of people would sound like you know they might shake their head and be like, I don't see that. But the way you just described it really does. As I think about, it, it makes a lot of sense because re- it is. It's, it's 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 very much an agricultural area. It is, which most it of mu- much of, if not most of, Italy is, and you're like living off the land, like you just described.
0: And, and I don't think I really appreciated until I really started traveling, and then I I came back one year. I was visiting for Fourth of July. And I remember just pulling over on the side of the road and started taking pictures. And I'm like, I I grew up with this. It's so incredibly beautiful. I mean, the Adirondack Mountains, Thatcher Park. I mean, those areas are are some of the most beautiful in their peak months, you know? Do you miss that living here in Las Vegas? Or are you too busy Uh, working all the time? I always think when Vegas finally breaks me, I'll just buy an Airbnb in upstate New York (laughs) and retire. Like, that sounds like retirement to a lot of people. But, um, you know, Vegas is really just become my my lifestyle in a lot of ways you know it's very conducive to the chef lifestyle it's it's go 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 it's 24/7 7 days a week um there's not one 24 hour period where something really crazy doesn't happen here you know and i think that's what's always kept me really interested in in wanting to stay here and wanting to grow and and it's really what sparked my and jason's love to, to build this company together. You know, my, my business partner, Jason Ronchlau, he worked for Michael Mina for over 13 years, opening tons of properties for him and their best friends. And, you know, the support we got from the community opening these restaurants during such a hard time was really incredible. You know, it made me, it really made me feel like Vegas was home.
3: Yeah. What was that like coming from New York, like the first week that you were in Vegas? Was it like kind of a, like a jolt to the system? Were you like, what, where am I?
0: I, I mean honestly, when I first moved here, I was working at the Win, and I went from like small upstate New York restaurants to all of a sudden doing five, six hundred covers a night. So it was it was insane in a lot of ways. You know, it was very fast paced. Uh the a lot of the chefs I worked for <laughs> were very eccentric, you know. I, I it was kind of like a, a fast track in learning. And um it was incredibly lonely when i first moved here because it wasn't like the culinary network that it is now you know it was really much i just kind of put my head down i worked i i wanted to to keep going to the next position so in my head there i had these goals like i wanted to be one of the youngest female executive chefs on the strip and i accomplished that at 24 years old you know and it was it was really quite it took me a little bit to look back and say like, wow, I, I did this <laughs> in a very short amount of time. But, um, you know, I just, I kept looking to the next thing, the next thing and what what I wanted to do. And I really got a ton of opportunity to grow with the Bastionage, the Batali Bastionich group, because I, I mean, Mario just, he, he taught me how to do so much. He taught me how to do, get in front of the camera, do do press, you know, do the reality TV shows. I did five reality TV shows in the time I think I worked for him. You know, he got me into to writing. He, threw me into the dry aging program, you know, and I, I owned that for Carnivino for many years. And, you know, just watching the success and the the development of Carnivino over the years, it, it was it was such an evolution, you know, it became a family by the end of it. And and it was really, you know, people still talk about it in Vegas, you know, they're like, when are you going to open another Carnivino?
1: <laughs> I want to talk a lot about Brezza, but before we go there, I want to talk, before we even came on air, you guys, Andrea, you guys were talking about, both you and Nicole, you both went to Johnson & Wales in Providence yeah. Rhode Island. jay
3: what <laughs> and
1: how did you end up in italy because i know you ha you worked for some of the great tuscan chefs and oh,
0: so this is a this is a fascinating and complicated story <laughs> we love fascinating and
1: complicated
0: yeah. tell so, us uh, so i uh moved out of my parents when i was 14 years old my older sister was 15 and uh she was in the business as well so uh she had done the early program for johnson Wales where she went her junior and in- senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. I had entered a vocational program called VICA, and I became the president. And I started competing in baking, baking and pastry, fine dining room service, and extemporaneous speech because I figured they were all skill sets I'd need if I eventually opened my own restaurant one day. And I won about, I think, fifteen or $17,000 in scholarships to Johnson Wales. So that's what really kind of solidified my decision to go to Johnson Wales because I put myself through college and always worked a number of waitressing or Bartending and just trying to to make ends meet and pay rent and and do all those things. And when I got back from um, when I graduated with my associate's degree, I remember doing a a function that was like the the holiday green sale. And Molly O'Neill had just moved into. Uh, her summer home across the street from the restaurant, the farm to table restaurant I was working at. The famous
1: and, New York Times <clears throat> food writer.
0: Yes. She was the Pete Wells before Pete Wells.
1: Whose brother, by the way, is Paul O'Neill of the New York Yankees. Yes. Little known fact, but go yes. that Sorry.
0: <laughs> and uh, she said, well, where, where are you going to go now, Nicole? Are you going to go to France or are you going to go to Italy? And I just kind of laughed. And I said, Molly, I, I don't have any money. <laughs> and she said, why don't the James Beard Awards are happening this week. I have Benedetta Vitali flying in and Faith Willinger flying in. I would really like you to meet them and some other prominent women in the industry in New York. And and she's like, Well, I she's like, I wanna help you. I wanna be your fairy godmother. And she went so above and beyond. She took me to Bobby Brown and and bought me probably thousands of dollars worth of makeup at the time and taught me how to do my makeup she took me to uh ann taylor because she said i couldn't dress like a redneck in italy and she dropped me off in the middle of central park and she said figure out how to get back to my manhattan apartment because this is what you're gonna do when you're 21 years old and you move to italy so literally two weeks later i never getting on a plane i i got on a plane and i landed at Gibreo in Florence with one of the t- toughest kitchens and one of the hottest new restaurants at the time and uh, worked for Fabio picchi And I, that was one of the best experiences of my career. You know, it really kind of paved the way for my Italian future. What did you learn from him? Oh my God, everything. What didn't you learn from <laughs> <Yeah>. him? <laughs> so it was a really unique kitchen. You know, we, um, we had expats from all over. You know, they were, they were Chinese, Japanese, Americans. Uh, so, I mean, it's kind of a very smart business model that wouldn't work to this day. But he he essentially had people that all wanted to work for free and get, provided them places to live and, and food. And then sometimes we'd get some tip checks from the Americans that would leave tips on the table. But um, we would prep the entire menu that morning. And then we'd take our siesta and we'd come back and we'd run dinner service until very late. And everything was made from scratch. It all came from... Uh, the farmers' market, right there in the the piazza, and uh, he he was insane. I mean, he he would break plates over people's heads and say "Guarda me!" like, look at me, you know. And uh, he would always think there was something wrong with the potatoes that day or the parsley, and he "butta vita tutto." We'd have to throw everything away and we'd have to start over. And you know, sometimes going into our siesta, and it, he was just very maniacal, but very. Very involved in the political scene in Florence, you know, he very much in front of the, the camera and in, in a PR dream come true. You know, he was very theatrical. He um he ended up marrying uh a different woman after Benedetta, they wrote a, uh, she wrote, so, uh, when she wrote Sofrito, um, he then married um, an actress and they opened, they continued to open Teatro da Sale across the street. And then he eventually did Gibleo, which is a, a Japanese concept. And when I moved to Italy 20 years ago, there was no such thing as Japanese food Florence. So it was really, I think he was he was very, he reminded me a lot of Mario Batali. Like he was just very forward thinking. Like ahead all, of his,
3: like, yeah, always yeah, yeah.
0: developing. And, you know, we, I mean, he it was he was a restaurant in the middle of Florence that didn't serve pasta. Like that was, that was. Unheard of. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, but very steeped in those, those Tuscan traditions, you know, and that's where, you know, I learned a lot about polenta. I, I still make his, his uh, eggplant Parmesan to this day and it's no breading. It's just thinly sliced eggplant, just, really, really done simply with really great ingredients. And I remember one day I made it too salty. And he said to me, he said, Chef Nicole, this is, this is, it's like a John Lennon song. You know, it's every, every step, every layer is, 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 is the lyrics. And you, and, you know, I can never get them out of my head when I make it because it's just, he he was such a character.
1: That's amazing. And then you said you went to work with Dario Cicchini, the famous butcher.
0: Yes. Prior to, well, the restaurant closed in August. So, I ended up at a vineyard called Castella da And I went, I did things like going pomodoro picking and watched their three kids and just just stayed in their, their villa and, and got to do some really cool stuff. And then uh, from there, I was introduced to Dario Schicchini, who really became like my Italian dad. You know, we uh, he was orphaned relatively young and, and built this business from, you could tell, I remember the first day I worked in a shop, I wasn't supposed to start working that day. And I had Capris and heels and a blouse, and he said, "You work for me." And he spoke broken English. And I, I said, "Well, I, I hope so, Dario." And he said, "You start now." So, literally hours later, I'm on a three pronged wooden stool, stuffing so Prasada up to my to my shoulder, and he said, "Okay, you're hired." <laughs> but classic.
3: That's awesome. Well, I, I do want to get a little bit. I mean, we should probably talk about the ingredient.
1: Oh yeah. Well, this is ingredient insiders, right? We might as well talk about the ingredient. <laughs> oh no, yeah. Nicole was passionate about wanting to speak about one thing in particular. De- so describe. Why first of all? Why did you want to talk about kruški peppers? Yeah. Covers?
0: So uh, I, I first intri- got introduced to this product by Nancy Silverton when I was uh, with the group, and uh, she she serves them so simply with like just beautiful fresh burrata and piles of kruški's with a lot of extra virgin olive oil drizzled over it, and it. For me it, it kind of took me back to like my Russian, my family's Ukrainian, Czechoslovakian and Polish and French. And it took me back to some of my my mom's family recipes because it, it just sounds so Russian and kind of Polish. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's such a unique I mean it's from Basil- basilicata. Mm-hmm. It's uh they're picked at their prime peakness um when they're they're kind of bulging off the the vine and they start to weigh down the plant and uh when they're picked they're um they're then dried. And then fried, and very good extra virgin olive oil, and you can taste it. It's just got this nutty, aromatic, um, real crisp. Uh, you, I mean, you want to keep eating them. They're almost like potato, like potato chips. chips yeah. Of, yeah, yeah, but like eighteen dollars a pound potato right. chips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh. <"Ugh." laughs> um, but I've. I've really kind of implemented them in a lot of different culinary preparations. I, I like to just crumble them over seafood pastas because it, it adds that pop of crunch and flavor. Um, as I mentioned, any of the fresh mozzarella family, like burrata, anything it goes really well with. Um, even a, like a soft scrambled egg to finish, you know, doing a, a simple spaghetti olio, olio, but doing it with krushki is a, a whole nother, a whole nother level because it adds a depth of, of richness and color and crunch and pop and, you know…
1: Do you like to just break them up with your hand, or do you use, do you use a mortar and pestle? How do you break them I up? I typically pe- just – yeah,
0: yeah but with, with my hand. You know, yeah. you can get nice, crunchy, rustic pieces, but um, it would be interesting to – I have never actually done a powder with them, but that would be interesting to integrate into a dish as well.
3: Yeah, I read that you can – that a lot of people are making it into a powder now, uh-huh. which I had never – like, I had only seen it whole or, you know, kind of broken up, sure. so I kind of wonder – you know, how you could use that to like flavor a dish and like really kind of like pack a punch.
0: Yeah, or even integrate into a pasta dough would be yeah. unique. Oh. Yeah. Yum. Okay,
3: we'll come back for that. Okay. Let us know. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, how would you describe, I mean, I, I think, I, I probably not a lot of people maybe have heard but, of this. Well, at home. Like, I think it's a, like, not super common here. How would you describe like the flavor profile of a kruski pepper?
0: It almost has a, a really rich nutty characteristic to me, you know it, it's got it's not spicy mm-hmm. it's it's very it's very mild, um a little bit um almost like herb- herbaceous a little bit I yeah. Know, yeah yeah, but it's uh to me it's just it's unique you know it's it's not like not what we were talking about Calabrian and earlier it's not it doesn't have that heat it doesn't have, it's just kind of a really subtle flavor that that takes a dish to a whole nother level.
3: Yeah. And I was reading about the drying process, how they like, you know, it, it is seasonal. So they happen, it's like once a year, you know, in the spring, they, you know, they plant it in the summer, they harvest, they lay it out on the cloth for the peppers for three days, and then they hang it. And um, like, it, you'll see them in like in windows and like yep. garland, it's kind of like decoration.
0: Well, that's what fascinated me about my time in Italy. I remember Fabio one day opened up like this secret, it almost looked like a little saffron box. And it, he he was like, Nicole, Vinny, Vinny, look at this. And uh, it, his father would dry so pepperoncini. Mm-hmm. We we think, um, unfortunately, Americans think of pepperoncini as those little packets that you get the out of flakes. a crappy, a crappy like pizza uh, slice, place. yeah, pizza yeah. slice place. But they have no flavor. They're they're terribly probably out of out of expiration date. And in Italy, when you're using pepperoncini to mount a dish to to do a base of a sofrito or a a, a sauce or a, a stew or any braising or anything. It's it's always a key ingredient in the base with the mirepoix and, and with the uh, aromatics. And those pepperoncinis that they dry on the rooftops in Tuscany, his dad would make all the pepperoncini for the restaurant. And when he opened up this box, I remember me being from upstate New York and pepper seemed, black pepper seemed spicy at the time. And I was, I, I started choking. Yeah. <laughs> and just it's,
1: from the aroma and the flavor. Yeah. And it's yeah. very,
0: very strong, yeah. but but you, you just take a little, little bit and it, it takes it takes dishes to I mean, like you can't do a linguine and clams without without real pepperoncini. I'm glad it. you
1: said that because it is so much of the commercial, industrial pepperoncini that you get is exactly what you described. It's the stuff that's very inexpensive. It lacks flavor. It may have some heat to it, but then you go to Italy or you meet a farmer. Even in the United States, I've met some people who are growing uh, peppers that are, that, that are drying, and, and it's a world of difference. It is. And it especially is. if you're talking day. about simple cuisine where it's like, You know, maybe it's spaghetti aglio olio and it's like you got garlic, olive oil and pasta and you're going to put pepperoncini. You need to use a really Mm -hmm. good quality. Yeah, I'm
3: picturing like the shaker at the like the slice joint and like watching someone going like and you're like, it shouldn't be that much. Like you shouldn't need to (laughs) do that. You shouldn't
0: need that at all. Right. (laughs) And all it's
1: doing is adding maybe some heat. If Maybe you're lucky. Yeah. right
0: exactly. I'm still working off a bag this big that I that I brought back from Italy probably four years ago. So you know, and I I turn people on to real pepperoncini all the time. I found this little hand painted uh, antique container form that has an actual pepperoncini hand hand carved into it.
1: Have you ever tried to make your own krus- kruski peppers?
0: I haven't, but that's interesting that you say that because I I would like to, but I don't know if the varietal will grow here in the states. Do you? So,
1: well, I don't know the answer, but what's interesting, Andrea mentioned that we were in Calabria, and what's also interesting too is you guys channel a lot of things together because we were with Nancy Silverton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when in you Calabria, said that, I was like,
3: she was there, and
1: <laughs> we were visiting a Calabrian chili pepper producer, and he was. We had lunch again, the classic Italian thing. We're in the countryside. We're right next to the pepper fields. And he starts heating up a vat of oil. Like in looks, his
0: driveway. Like a, yeah, basically. <laughs> like like an American would
3: fry a turkey. Exactly. He's got, he's got a big... I'm like, what's happening over there? A
1: big pot of oil. And he took dried peppers. And I didn't know whether they... I, I assume they were grown in Calabria. They had to have been grown in yeah. Calabria. He wasn't importing from Basilicata. And he threw them right into the oil. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. What's the guy doing? And then as soon as they came out and he made a platter for us. And Nancy took one and Andrea and we all ate them. I was like, these are Krushki peppers. Yeah, Yeah. and so we always associate Krushki with the Basilicata in this town called Matera. Um, But now that we're all sitting here talking about it in a little depth, I wonder if you can just get a nice dried pepper throw it in the oil and make these yourself i, I don't know because they someone... are
0: crazy expensive they are crazy, sell them. crazy expensive the, and... you know
1: manacretti imports a lot of them yep. into the united states and you get this you know if you're a restaurant you get a small bag it's like god it's expensive
0: it is it's 18 yeah. 20 a pound it really yeah. is So and... like
1: a potato chip size bag exactly talk to us about this restaurant because it's really special it opened just this year
0: yeah, so we we hit a year back in June um and we just hit our year anniversary at Barzazu 2 days ago which was really exciting. Yeah. Congratulations. Congrats. Thank you. But it was a really tough time to open here in Vegas, you know. Jason and I uh, we are very very lucky that we have um a great support system. We have Ernie and Bernie. Ernie Moody created the Triple-A slot machine in online gaming and then Bernie was in the Thoroughbred horse industry with with Ernie back in the day and um I want to meet Ernie and Ernie Bernie. Ernie and Bernie they sound really cool. <laughs> they are. And uh Jason came to me and he said uh we've got this opportunity to open a restaurant on the strip and the the it was so palpable when we met like we were just both so excited talking about food, talking about building building a restaurant group and what we could do and it was it was so emotional I think for for both of us on so many levels and to kind of reflect back and now we've got we got restaurant of the year this last week. We got best best chef this week. And, you know, just some of the, the accolades that we've accomplished in such a short time has really been amazing. It's
3: a big I week for that. you. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. What I love,
1: too, is that uh, Spencer Rudow, who's yeah. our sales manager for Chef's Warehouse here in town. As soon as we said, we're coming, we're doing podcasts, we want to talk to a chef. He said, you got to talk to Nicole. Like immediately.
3: Like,
0: <laughs> like boom.
1: Had such nice things to say. And I said, oh, I, I know Nicole. He said, yeah, we got to talk to her. And then we're talking to another friend of mine who I've known for many years, Mark Andelbrat, another chef
0: that I've been to Italy with. Yep. <laughs> okay, and
1: he was like, you know, we were talking, and said, "Mark, we'd like to get you on the podcast." And you know, who else should we be talking to? And the first person he named was you. Was you? And he said such nice things to say about you, and the food. I mean, talk to us a little bit more about the food and like the you have. We walked by this wall of wine, which was spectacular. Um,
0: great, it, great wine program. We have uh, Mikelosh Katona, who came from the win originally. So we we are. Backgrounds parallel quite a bit, Um, and he's just really created my and Jason's dream come true list. You know, it's all the Italian varietals that we love, Um, and uh, the food. The food was it was such a great experience for me to put it down on paper because what I really wanted to do was is give back and give homage to all the great people in my life who who helped kind of structure my career, you know, Fabio Peakey, Dario Shakini, Mario Batali, Zach Allen. Um, Bill Benson was the, the first owner proprietor of the Palmer house cafe, the farm table restaurant. I worked in, in uh, upstate New York. And he's still like a father to me this day. We just cooked out of his organic garden, upstate New York. And, um, I really took all those influences from working with these great chefs over the years. And and there's a little piece of them in in every dish. You know, the the little tomato jelly that's in the center of our caprese, that's something that I would make for the antipasti every day at Gibrayo every morning. And some days it would set, some days it (laughs) wouldn't, but we've perfected the recipe. Uh, The the carne cruda is definitely kind of half influenced by Mario, half influenced by Dario. Dario would start every morning with... Big glass of red wine and a handful of raw meat, and he said it was the secret to to a long, a long healthy life. And um, you know, unfortunately, uh, uh, Fabio passed this right, right quickly before we opened. And uh, I had to open my own off the restaurant prior to open these that I'm no longer part of. But um, right when I opened that restaurant, uh, Molly had passed. You know, and it's you start getting older. You know, I can't believe I'm in my forties now. Like I was, I used to be the youngest person in the circuit on the strip and now now am the old broad <laughs> it happens <laughs> but uh um it's really i wanted to to kind of give back to to all the people who who taught me and and spent their time with me because i think education and i think uh mentorship is is so important in in our world's because you know a lot of the people that end up in kitchens they they come from really spotty backgrounds you know sure. and, uh, including myself you know i came from from very little upper very little, a very, very <laughs> frugal background. And um, if it wasn't for these people, I probably, I probably wouldn't be here today. Wow. So
1: awesome. Do
3: you do a lot of mentorship yourself and, you know, taking externs and, you know? Yeah.
0: So I uh, I used to teach or I used to do the mentorship at La Cordon Bleu when I was still here in Las Vegas. I did that for many, many years and judged their competitions. I've, I speak at C c s n um I typically speak at u n l v at least once a year i've been unfortunately too busy these last couple of years but um i'm on done numerous women's boards here in the the valley um i started the slow food chapter i'm an executive board member of that i do uh i'm on the culinary board of um three square um
3: so you're like really busy <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Just
0: a little bit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of downtime here.
3: I do feel like even like in the very short amount of time we've been here, um, which has been like three hours, um, I feel like Vegas is having a little bit of like a moment.
0: Well, this
1: is
3: it's,
0: it's a re- it's you guys are here at a record time. So um, right. I mean, like I said, I've lived here close to twenty years, and just the development. I, I think COVID. Did some really great things for us. It, it really elevated our local consumer. You know, we have tons of people who have moved out here from New York City. They moved out here from San Francisco, from LA, including a lot of my upper management staff have, have relocated from other cities. And it's really been great because what it's done is it's given us a, a great people with open mind and people who are really want to be part of the development and the future of Vegas, which that didn't exist back when I first moved here. You know, people were moving out of Vegas just as quickly as they were moving in. Now we have. A network of, of great culinary professionals that own restaurant groups. They own, they own their, their own independent restaurant. I'm supporting them on my weekends. You know, Jamie Tran from Black Sheep, Brian Howard, Sparrow and Wolf. He just opened Half Bird. You know, Gary Lamorte started his own restaurant group and another ex-Mina guy. And, you know, it's it's really been been great to see the the evolution of, of Vegas in a lot of and ways. And there's a
1: real community here. I and mean, it's not just people from... We've talked to other chefs about this. It's not just tourists and out-of-town people coming to eat. It's There's the the local the, yeah. oh, the, the local circuit
0: what's what kept Jason and I alive in the beginning months you know I mean it was still it was still very much COVID and then we had Omicron hit and you know that was devastating and we're just looking at each other some days I'm like is this gonna is this gonna work and now I think we're we're really I, I think we found a really great groove and you know the hotels supported us in so many ways and you know we see the foot traffic back we see the conventions back and all the the private dining and it's just been it's been really really amazing.
1: Well, congratulations! Awesome. Your, one, yours is a beautiful story. I mean, it's really great.
0: I have one final question.
1: You have one more question. One You'll, more. Yeah.
0: Okay.
3: So you sound like super busy. So I don't feel like you do a lot of cooking at home.
0: I actually do. You do okay. <laughs> yes. This is great. Everyone I, says no.
3: I don't. You know whatever. I, but no. This and, is great. No.
0: And trust me, I do go through periods of time where I wish I could cook more. But yeah. um, I. I really. Buying a house here in Las Vegas was a game changer for me. I have a great backyard. I love to entertain my neighbors who helped me find my house. They're they're very much um food connoisseurs and and they love the business, the industry, and hearing all my crazy stories of the strip. <laughs> but uh um it's it's been great. You know, we we just had a local butcher shop open here called Featherblade, and and that's typically my my go-to. I'll get a cut of meat and you know, we'll sometimes theme the the dinner parties. We just did a whole king crab, and I had some ramp butter that I brought back mm, from upstate New York. Nice. And Just it's for me, it's 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 therapeutic. Yeah. You know? and, and when you get to this level on the strip, and now Jason and I are getting ready to open our third restaurant. Uh, ideally, I'm not on the line every day. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, we'll have to get the the restaurant up and running, but the, I'm I'm still going to need to like have that creative. That creative instinct to mm-hmm. to want to cook at home, and and ironically, I, I still cook a lot of my mom's my mom's Ukrainian and Czechoslovakian dishes from growing up. You know, borscht and pierogies yeah. and you yeah. know harshly and and all those things. So, um,
3: well, maybe you're gonna have a really unique answer then.
1: Well, you know what I was thinking because she said she loves to entertain. Yep. She's got all of these great ingredients. And we don't have dinner plans tonight. So, so if you're gonna, not too busy, we'll, we can invite ourselves <laughs> come over. Come to your now.
0: house. Well, one thing I forgot to mention. I, I don't know if Spencer told you this, but Brazil would not have existed if it wasn't for Chef's Warehouse. We tested the entire menu out of the Chef's Warehouse test kitchen. Oh, and you're in Las prior, Vegas. Prior that's amazing. Opening, that's yeah, awesome. It was either my, my home kitchen or, or Chef's Warehouse. So,
1: Well, that's why we build those kitchens. And each of our Chef's Warehouse, which Nicole's talking about, is in most of our warehouses across the country, mm-hmm. we've built test kitchens for R&D, but we also have those as open kitchens for exactly what you just described. A chef that's getting ready to open up a restaurant can come and use those spaces to test. So I'm glad you took advantage of it. Oh,
0: I was it was... It was...
1: That makes me really yes. happy. <laughs>
0: that's amazing. Yes, it was a game changer for us. So thank you. I, I appreciate All it.
1: All right, but we better let Andrea ask her a question okay, because I know she, you have to go she gets hangry and then, you know, we have a big problem. We have to take a break. <laughs> Everybody... That's the step away. All right, Andrea, you want a drum roll? Okay, go ahead.
3: So you invite me over. I go into your pantry. What are the five pantry staples that you must have at all times?
0: Arboreo rice, extra virgin olive oil, aged balsamic. um, So fast.
3: (laughs) Wow. you like, (laughs) no. Okay.
0: Faro. I always typically have faro for some reason. And strangely enough, tahini, because I really like hummus.
3: (laughs) There you go. I love it. That's a unique one. Amazing.
1: Great well, answers. And yeah, you didn't have to think at all.
3: No. Some chefs are like, <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm like, seriously? But
1: <laughs> This has been truly, I, I really, to hear the story about Molly O'Neill, what she said to you and kind of took you under her wing and then having, you know, who wouldn't want a stepfather like Dario Ciccini in, <laughs> in Italy, um, to hear your story has been amazing. I f- am so proud to be here in this mm-hmm. space to see you know, the fruits of all your labor after many years kind of come true. It's really beautiful. Yeah.
3: And what you're doing for Las Vegas and like the culinary scene is incredible. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Thanks for having us. Thank you.
1: And I can't wait to come eat here, Andrea.
3: Brezza at Resorts World Casino.
1: I want that bottle of uh, Gaia Barolo.
2: All right. Thank you. you. You're paying. Oh, yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Bye.
1: Well, we've got our first repeat visitor on the show. So exciting. Joining us from Florence, Italy, one of our favorite people in the food world, <laughs> really one of the foremost food experts yep. in the world. And that's not an exaggeration when it comes to finding Italian products, creative items from really anywhere in the world, but especially Italian products. Rolando Beramendi from Manacareti, which is one of the great food importers in the United States and a good partner of the Chef's Warehouse. Rolando, how are you?
4: I'm happy to hear both of you very much. I'm so honored and humbled you asked me back.
1: Well, you're an expert and we always want to hear from you and i know i'm speaking for andrea and myself when i say we both we wish we were there in florence italy with you right now a hundred percent but at least we can see you on video yeah so today we're talking about something that's really unique very special really wonderful Mm -hmm. it's called Krushki peppers from italy and I don't think a lot of people know what they are because it's a really like small production Mm -hmm. um
3: i learned what they are by being in italy yeah i had never heard of them in the us
1: so rolando what exactly is the kruski pepper okay so do you
4: remember the first time you had a bowl of pasta and somebody grated some parmesan cheese on it then you went a little you went a little bit further south and then somebody put some other things on it like chopped parsley and then you went to sicily for the first time and somebody sprinkled some toasted breadcrumbs on it yes there are people in the south of italy that sprinkle crunchy peppers on it what why do we always have to put parmesan cheese or or anything that is cheesy on on, uh, on pasta or, or or on anything so i was always um be mused by it all. Because I think that what happens is that you add not that, it's another texture, it's that thing of uh, um, crunchiness or, or, or a layer of um, flavor that you never tasted that before. And it shouldn't be on pasta only, it could be on a, on a soup or it could be on beans, it could be on anything, but why do we always add something that is so prescribed? And I'm sorry to be so uh, pontificating. No,
3: I think, I mean,
1: is it generational that like- I I want to go back a sec. Is kruski, does that mean, does it translate to crispy? What is
4: it, the word Kruski It does mean? to a certain it does to a certain degree because the cruschi are basically peperoni di senese that are, you know, from the south of Sicily or or Calabria or um, um you know Puglia Basilicata that are you know we all think about sun dried mm-hmm. but what we're talking about here is shadow dried you have to let them dry in the shade and why is that because i think that they dry in a very different way they develop a a completely different um flavor they they develop a a flavor that becomes almost like chocolatey They become more, um, uh, I can't
2: explain
4: Yeah, but you know, it's like, it's like mole, right? Like mole Mm -hmm. in Mexico becomes this very intense layers of flavor. So, you know, mole is to Mexico, here's kruski peppers and, uh, and they're not
1: spicy. They're can. not hot, right? They're Not, not at really all. Spicy not anymore. at all.
4: It's chocolate. I think it's, it tastes like something that nobody has ever tasted before.
1: Very unique. I, now, I have a couple of things I want to ask. One is I've always associated this product with Manicaretti in the United States, bringing it in, and also the town of Matera in Silicata. But. No. Andrea and I went to Calabria a few years ago Mm -hmm. and we were visiting with one of our suppliers who actually is in the pepper business, the Calabrian pepper business. Mm -hmm. And we had a nice outdoor uh, picnic lunch lunch, and he fired up a large frying pan with oil and threw in these dried peppers, which I don't know if they were kruski or not. And they crisped up almost like potato chips And we were eating those like a snack.
3: Yeah, I think they actually sell them
1: like Were were those those kruski peppers? Yes, they were. They Mm -hmm. were. So in Calabria, you have these. Why do I always associate the town of Matera with it? You know,
4: there's something about that whole Colombian exchange is that thing of like the tomatoes and the potatoes and the, you know, everything that came from America to Italy it mm-hmm. transpired from the relationship between Spain and the southern Italy right so Sicily and the south of Italy so the all these products all these beans and all these things became part of of an what i call it the colombian exchange mm-hmm. and it. it Everything grows differently wherever you are. It's called terroir.
3: Do you know like the, the origin of like how it came to be that they decided that these peppers were going to be fried versus.
1: Well, I have a question. Are they peppers when you open a package of them, right? They come in a bag. Mm hmm when you pull them out, have they been fried already or yes. just dried? They've so been they've, fried. they've been no. dried and fried and then they're in the bag. Okay. They're like yeah. ready to, they're ready to eat like mm-hmm. a potato chip, they're Like potato
4: that's chip. Yeah. And I'm you know, like that's why why a that masterful, is that it's a masterful art of, of how you can, it takes seven seconds. If you spend eight or nine seconds, burning you you burn the pulverize
1: so when you're frying it seven Seven, or eight seconds i remember when uh john paulo was making them for us it was very quick in Mm -hmm. that hot oil and then right out and so good so you mentioned kind of crunching them up and sprinkling them over pasta what are some of the other ways that people should be using these
4: oh can you imagine them you know like breaking them up and you know breaking them into a paella Wow! Yeah. Why would I like you? That. I mean, it's like it's like paprika to the next level. What I love about Kruski is that you're giving people a crunch. You you you're creating a, a bite. So if if you can break them up with your fingers, and and break them up on a swordfish with olive oil or um, a seafood stew, what about uh, uh, pork roast, right? And mm-hmm. as you are br- uh, sending that dish off to the table, you're crunching it and it should be all uneven and you're creating this texture, um, crunchiness that, I don't think anybody can give because it's it will never be the same.
1: It's one it's of. Also the, got a beautiful color yeah. too, like a deep burgundy yeah. red, almost. Mm-hmm. Yes. um, so You're adding
3: is, texture. You're adding color. You're adding flavor. It's um, And, really and you know beauty. what,
4: Andrea? It tastes like chocolate.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: It tastes yeah. like something like an incredible. Chocolate in element to it that it's unlike, and we're all addicted to chocolate, right? Yeah.
1: But it's, which makes it's, it makes me think too that you could add it to a, a, like onto a chocolate cake or yeah any like Ooh, any kind of pastry be really application good. because it's wow yeah. wow that would be really good yeah.
3: But why do you think? I mean, and I don't know if I'm wrong in saying this, but I feel like they haven't had their true moment yet in the states.
1: I think it's a tiny production. You think that's why, or I don't know. Uh, so we
4: uh, had, yeah. I I think that what it would be really great is that you guys that are in the uh, conversation with the greatest chefs in the world in the United States is like think about it. it. Is all about crunchiness. I think that we all need to have this texture. We have to like bite, right? So why does pasta need to be always with breadcrumbs or, or Parmesan cheese? Why don't you come up with something that will topple, you know, and, and, and make a, an amazing texture? So if you're gonna have linguine levongole or clam, clam chowder, why don't you put some kruski peppers on it? I mean, I'm mean, i not disagreeing so with cool. you. I love it. It will be so knives.
1: cool, crunch, 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 you know? <laughs> but I will say this, they're not not—they're not inexpensive. Yeah. There's a lot, obviously, wow. the process of but, drying you know, them, the process yeah. of frying them. There's a lot that goes into this. The thing
4: is that the, people, um, how should I say this in a very elegant way, you know, The process of growing them and shadow drying them because they're not sun dried, they're shadow dried. So they're they're put into these incredible colors, right? Mm
1: -hmm. Like
4: my cookbook, right? So they're like necklaces and they're like people, you know, everybody has to like embroider them and then you let them dry in the shade not in the sunlight Mm
1: -hmm. so So that explains a lot about why they are i mean they really are precious pepper mm -hmm. um, absolutely and they have to be one of a
4: kind one of a kind because they have to be perfect they're selected by by the mum right (laughs) and she embroiders them into this necklace and lets them sit and dry in the shade, not in the sun.
3: Is there only your the way you're describing it? Is there like one farm or one like, or is there a lot of farms in that area that are doing this? And then collectively, they're drying them together? Like, how does it? No,
4: does it's not thing, does it, so so no it does. You know, I think that these are the kind of traditions that people are figuring Figuring how to preserve it for the future. So one of my favorite things, uh, making you know, while I was researching everything about my book, it was to put crunchy peppers on these broken peppers on on anything.
3: Rolando, I want you to hold up the, your it's, book so we could see your. It's book. all about it's
4: all about texture. Right,
3: Authentico. It's such a beautiful book. If you, don't, the have thing is time, that, you don't have this it.
4: But my thing is all about if if you're eating beans with 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 anything, like can you imagine crunching with your hand right before that dish goes out to service? Some be uh be a
3: cool concept for like the you know like the the chefs they do it with the oregano branch and it's exactly almost
1: like a, uh, yeah
3: do that. People like, table love side. textural stuff yeah. too. Malden
1: salt when you crunch mm-hmm. the flake, you see salt in your fingers. Yep. Even I got to get my hands on some of these Krushki peppers. You Krushki. Know, peppers.
4: I'm I'm a firm believer that texture makes you want to eat and bite more. Yeah. So that that whole idea of like crunching something before you send it out to the dining room it it is delicious it's it's a spark of 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 you know something that is like fireworks in your mouth so this has been this is awesome. awesome
1: been so fantastic so if you don't own the cookbook Authentico by rolando bettermendi get yourself a copy because there are recipes that include kruski peppers. There's a beautiful photo of the kruski peppers in that braided bunch. Mm-hmm. Rolando, we cannot thank you enough. Thank
3: you so much. This has
1: been wonderful.
3: And if you're a chef and you're dying to try kruski peppers, just call your sales rep at the Chef's Warehouse. We'll get you hooked up.
1: Chefswarehouse.com and Manacretti Foods. Thanks, thank- Rolando. Thank you so much, Rolando. This we'll has been see awesome.
4: See you soon in Florence.
1: Ciao.
3: Ciao.
1: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ingredient Insiders. You can watch this episode on YouTube and see more behind-the-scenes content by following us. Find us on Instagram by searching at Ingredient Insiders.